This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Everlasting Tights in their new Bally range featuring the Nutcracker. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Unanimous. Is that um, little reindeers I'm hearing on the roof of the Mississippi call center that we're staying in, <laughs> Jeff? Little pitter-patter of Rudolph and his friends. It's Christmas time at Grace Brothers. Happy holidays. Happy Christmas, everyone. Absolutely. And special thanks to the Northern Mississippi Bell Choir, who you heard ringing those fabulous jingle bells for the theme song this week. Um, they also moonlight as the Peacock Hotline call center rep. So anytime you call and leave us a voicemail, be sure to compliment them on their ringing. For everyone who is sweltering in the 90 degree Fahrenheit heat or uh, 30 degree Celsius heat, <laughs> uh, we hope that we, yeah, yeah, got up to 37 today in, in London. Oh boy. Um, we're, we're hoping that this little um, Christmas episode brings you a bit of respite from the hot weather and you can pretend that it's nice and chilly. Christmas in... August? Why not? Yeah, everyone's, uh, when you walk around New York City, everyone has uh, window units for air conditioning, aircon, and it's just both sides of the street. All you hear are the buzz, the whirs of air conditioning. Everyone's hot. Everyone's, like, inside. But like you said, Jeff, like, London, Britain, was in the the low to mid-30s Celsius. They don't have air conditioner over there, so you poor people, at least in the States, we realize, like, yeah, it's going to get hot. We have to have air conditioning, but they don't. So uh, may your evenings be cool and your days be uh, a little bit of Christmas holiday cheer in the UK. Yeah. Sheesh. So um, how are you doing, Jeff? What's been going on? I'm doing okay. Uh, There hasn't been a hell of a lot going on because we're still in pandemia, Um, but you know, I'm starting to look forward to the fall, to the weather breaking a little bit, pumpkin um, spice lattes to just being a little bit cooler. Right. Cause I'm, (laughs) I, I just, I just got a new refrigerator delivered, um, last week or two weeks ago and I can't stop looking in it. Right. Uh, cause it's just so clean and cold and everything's organized. But you can't live inside there, huh? I can't live inside my refrigerator and it's also so hot in my kitchen because there's no air conditioning in my kitchen area. So I can't spend a lot of time in there to cook all of this food that I have room for in the new refrigerator. Everyone so. in Britain is like passive aggressively going, oh, you know, because they're <laughs> angry that like, we're complaining we don't have enough air con, air conditioning. But um, I was telling a friend of mine who lives in London, I said, You're, you all are going to have to realize that in the summertime, you have to have an air conditioner because it's not going to get colder, you know, as climate change happens. You know, I think was it um, two weeks ago I saw an article in the uh, New York Times that said that the climate, the climate zone of New, of New York City is now considered tropical because it just yeah, gets so hot, you know? They, 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 I did see that. They, yeah. they changed the, uh, the Coppel, um classification. There's like a three-letter code that they assign based on um, climate, 
And so now, rather than sharing a climate zone with like the rest of New England, uh, we share a climate zone with the rest of the mid-Atlantic. That's crazy. Well, That's at least weird. those lovely palm trees up and down Broadway will look very fetching. Ah. You know? <laughs> so um, it is Christmas time. It is holiday time in Grace Brothers. So um, maybe we can find some jingle bells in the office or something. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that doesn't really... That doesn't do it. It's not jingly enough. <laughs> oh, Where well, is Gladys' Gladys, cousin? it's all right, dear. No worries. You're doing the best you can, dear. Oh, she says thank you. Okay, that's sweet. All right, hush up, Gladys. Speaking of Gladys, we've got a lot of other people that we want to thank. Oh, yeah. Uh, for listening to our podcast. Thank you, Anonymous. Um, we want to thank Alexander for checking us out on the Facebook And we also want to thank uh, Mike from Pittsburgh who called into the Peacock Hotline. Oh, my gosh, Mike. What a great message. Thanks for that. And um, do we want to play the message for the listeners? We could do that if we want. I don't think – well, I don't think we have Mike's permission to play uh, the message. I think we got to start figuring out how to get We do have his permission. Guess who had your back, boy? Guess who thought about it? (laughs) This guy right here. Um, Let's play it. We'll play a little piece of it right now. Hello, Mr. Brandon. Hello, Mr. Jeff. This is Mike from Pittsburgh calling. I just finished episode 17 on Shoulder to Shoulder, which I've always thought was just a great episode. But I'm a little surprised you didn't flag my favorite line of the episode and probably one of my favorites of the whole series. So when the newlyweds are at the gentleman's counter and the new husband is trying to decide on purchasing the sweater, as you mentioned, Mr. Lucas asks, is he or isn't he? in reference to the character's sort of sexually ambiguous lean. But right after that, Mr. Humphreys responds to Mr. Lucas, I don't know, but I think he'd help out if there was a rush. I can never not crack up at that line, and it's one of those AYBS-isms that I've worked into my everyday vocabulary. I just love it. Well, uh, I can hear that the tease made is going off, so I should probably sign off for now, but I'm loving the podcast, and of course, You've both done very well. Yeah, so I had completely missed that line, but superfan Jeff Y had written in as well about it. Uh, yeah, I think it yeah. just kind of went over my head that, okay, so he thinks that the customer might be on the fence but might be easily persuaded to switch teams, mm. I guess. Hmm. Yeah, yeah when I, so the, the joke is, I don't know, but I think he'd help out if there was a rush. Uh, when I even now when I hear it, I still don't really get it. But um, I'm glad all of the people in the world, except me, um, think it's funny. So <laughs> that's uh, I just have to accept that's where I am. But that's cool. Um, yeah, you know it's funny because when I was a kid and I saw the guy with a very gay sort of like hair and like the way he acted with his wife and um, even when he says, "Do you like it?" You know, when he's with, like has the little sweater and he pulls it up and he looks around for everyone's like affirmation that they like it. Just so queer. He's so gay. But as a kid, like it just didn't even hit me that he was. No. I don't know. Funny the things like that, you know. So thank you, super <laughs> fans. You've all done very yes, well. Yes, thank you very much. And in case you've forgotten, wash your hands, wear a mask, register to vote, and Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Yes. Oh, we have. Um, shall we break the breaking news about the political thing that just happened today? Yeah. Why not? That would be it's an excellent uh, way for us to celebrate. Yeah. So, um, Jeff, shall we shall we make an official endorsement of the podcast? 
<laughs> because I'm sure it will sway a lot of people's votes if the podcast. Nate Silver and Five Thirty Eight are hanging on our every. Week. Yeah, if we we have the we're on the the heavy pulse of the country of America. Um, why, I'll give I'll give the honors to you, Jeff. Why don't you make the important announcement in today's politics in the states? So. That does suit Madam is proud to endorse Biden and Harris for 2020. I know. So just today, Joe Biden announced, like, I don't know, a couple hours ago that he is choosing Kamala Harris, senator from California, to be his vice presidential candidate. So I think that's fantastic. I think it's far time for a woman to be in the White House. There should have been one in 2016, but whatever. So that's exciting. So don't forget to go register to vote and um, make your voice heard. So that's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's the endorsement. So Biden, uh, Harris, you're welcome. You're welcome. And if they, <laughs> if they listen to the show, um, we would love to have you on the show and talk about are you being served. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Well, didn't, didn't Obama do um, the Mark Maron podcast? Um, Probably. He did. And that's like how I got into his podcast. Um, WTF is what I'll say. Although we do have an explicit tag. We could say the whole name. But because we're proper people, we, we won't say the uh, WTF. But anyway, so if you want to come on the show, Biden and Harris, please, you're, welcome. you're invited. <laughs> Why don't we switch gears and actually talk about the episode? Oh, that's right. What a novel idea. That <laughs> does suit politics. That does suit Biden. <laughs> Oh, so what do we have? Biden. Yeah, so we have a Christmassy um, episode, one of several in the series. Um, it is, yeah. Take us back, Jeff. What are we talking about here? So we're talking about Christmas Crackers, the inter-series episode between series three and series four, mm-hmm. which premiered on December twenty second, nineteen seventy five. And that week in the news, um, Sarah Jane Moore, who had attempted to assassinate President Gerald Ford, pled guilty. So. Okay. Here's two things about that. One, I stand by using the word pled in its past tense and not the word pleaded. That is the most Jeff thing you've ever said. (laughs) Which is, I feel like it's a new new standard in a lot of broadcast journalism to say pleaded, and it drives me crazy. Same way that people... But what about, like, jeans? If you had pleaded jeans, do you have an issue with that? Wah, wah. (laughs) Um... It's, it's similar to how people will say an historic, even though historic begins with a consonant sound and not a vowel sound and shouldn't take the an. Anyway, I digress. The second thing that I have <laughs> to say about that. These are the things that keep that, you up at night. The second thing that I have to say about this is I had no idea that someone attempted to assassinate President Ford. I thought it was, I thought it was hmm. Kennedy and then right to Reagan's uh, assassination attempt. I don't know if this is just because it's before my time. But I have no recollection of this from history whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, well, I don't know, because with Reagan, when he was ass- attempted to be assassinated, there was a camera going live, and it was caught, and we all saw it. I wonder if this That's just what wasn't... That's I remember. Yeah, with Reagan, but I wonder if Ford, who was... Um, Ford was before Reagan? Yes. Yeah, okay. Because this happened in 75, oh, okay. and the Reagan thing happened when we were both alive. Yeah, so. true. <laughs> so I suppose maybe it wasn't caught on film or video, so maybe that that's why it. it's not on our memory. But that's probably it. No. Well, speaking of speaking of President Ford, this week he also signed the U.S. Metric Conversion Act into law, which committed the United States into converting to the metric system over the next five years. And look how that turned out. Milk. 
No, not milk. No, not so- milk. Coca-Cola. Soda. Coca-Cola. That's all we really care about. A spirit. You mean, you sell, you get a bottle of wine in a 750 milliliter. Wine, um, pop, soda, soda pop. Um, what else? That's it. Um, although it's interesting to, to, to say, I follow um, somebody, Weissman, who has a cooking show on uh, Facebook. And he's like a kid, and he just loves, you know, cooking. And he yep. does everything in metric because it's a worldwide thing because anyone can uh, subscribe to him. Um, he just does it metric. And a lot of people I notice are doing that on, t- on Facebook and YouTube and stuff. So maybe, maybe you know, 50 years later, <laughs> we'll get our act together. Yep. And unfortunately, this is our last episode with Mr. Mash. Oh, Mr. Mash. I, I, I have always been a Mr. Harmond guy, Mr. Almond. But I have too. Mr. Mash has really grown on me. Yeah, I've got a cream so, for that too. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Zach, if you're listening, we just had the Mash and Harmon to be. Um, <laughs> anyway, Mr. Mash is uh, was played by Larry Martin, and he didn't meet an untimely demise like um, Mr. Everyone Granger's else did, like everyone else did. <laughs> yeah, like all all of the senior assistants on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually got contracted uh, to do another television show called Spring and Autumn. And so uh, he wasn't able to return for series four. Um, that TV show ran for four years, so mildly successful okay. in UK standards. And um, yes, Mr. Martin was part of the Croft and Lloyd troupe. Mm-hmm. He was in Dad's Army for f- a couple of episodes and also in two of the Carry On films. Oh, matron. We need to do a whole thing on that one day. I need to I need to watch them again. It's been such a long time since I've watched either of those. Well, I think he should have stayed on, oh, but any, then we wouldn't have those. seen Mr. Harmond. So yeah. history shall be left alone. So Captain Peacock arrives early, and he's, you know, Mr. Master's really wondering why that is, because he never comes in early. So uh, he was, uh, he's, he's supposing that Captain Peacock is coming to write his letter to Father Christmas. Uh, Dear Santa, please fill my stocking up with something I can play with. The audience breaks up laughing at this, as long as it's not the wife's leg. Aww. So, real quick, a couple of a couple of British Christmas traditions, which differ from the American ones. Um, when children write letters to Father Christmas to Santa Claus, they toss them in the fire in the fireplace, so that the embers will go up the chimney and reach Santa that way as opposed to us who mail it to, we actually spend the 55 cents and mail it to Santa. Well, probably not this year because they won't go anywhere. That's but, true. Um, That's true. Hmm. We'll have to, you know, have to zoom, zoom call Santa or get him on Microsoft teams or Google Hangouts. That's or a good idea. Right? I'm going to start a company to do that. Patent pending. Yep. I claim it first um, people. Watch out. Um, they hang their stockings by the bed and not the fireplace. And okay. ins- inside the stocking, there are a couple of things that are traditional. Like over there, you get you know you get stocking stuffers as well. You get, you know, candy and some nice pens and you know little like trinkets and things like that. Box of cigarettes. But two things, <laughs> two things that always <laughs> appear in uh, in children's stockings is a satsuma, which over here we call a clementine. Okay. Uh, and that's because Saint Nicholas. The, the legend of St. Nicholas is he would throw gold coins into the chimney and any stockings that were hung by the fire to dry would catch the coins. 
So the, the, the golden color and the round shape of the clementine is reminiscent of that. I don't know why, they, also, why don't they hang the stockings by the chimney to catch the coins, though? Britain. You'd think that. I have, I have well, issues. Probably because they catch fire these days. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and also, you know, back in the day, oranges and citrus fruits were a rare treat. Yeah, they were in, a big deal. Yeah. In, in London, so you know, it really was a treat to get something as well, exotic. Well, even here, like uh, if you remember, as a Clementine. yeah, if you watch uh, Mad Men when he comes back from Florida or California, with, they bring with the pineapple or a pineapple. They bring like bags and bags of oranges. Yeah, I I totally remember my parents getting pineapples as gifts from people yeah. who went to Florida or Hawaii. I, I I totally remember that. I mean, it's kind of charming, but you know, I mean, I mean, I think before like the crazy food available all year round, all of that kind of thing. Like fruit and stuff was kind of rare. Like cantaloupe, you can get cantaloupe any time of the year, but yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a nice, if anyone wants to send us a pineapple, <laughs> that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. We'll hook you up. So you can hook and, us up. And now you're lucky if I bring you back a Yorkshire tea. The other thing that would be traditional to put in the stockings is a sugar mouse. So it is a, uh, a, fun, a fudgy-type crumbly candy that's made of confectioner sugar, egg whites, and molasses. Delicious. Or actually, over, the, over there, they'd use golden syrup. And uh, the whole idea is that it was a treat that was fun to eat, like you'd feed a real mouse to a snake. They would feed the sugar mice to all the kids like that, like by its tail. Because children are snakes. Right, basically. Um, <laughs> and then the day after Christmas is Boxing Day, and that is not because gifts come in boxes, but rather people would assemble boxes of things to bring to the poor. You know, I know the history to that just a little bit. Um, what is that show? Adam Ruins Everything. It's a, it's a YouTube series where a guy kind of talks about the history of stuff. And there's a really funny one all about Christmas. And um, he goes into how Christmas is actually extremely pagan. And it used to be like full of Saturnalia. sex and like Sat- yeah. Yeah, it's a Roman holiday. Um, honoring Saturn, the god of war. Great movie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Anyway, he talks about Boxing Day and um, the people who were like the, the people on the street who would beg for money from people, they would have a little um, wooden box. So that's where the boxing comes from. And they would ah, walk okay. around. Yeah, and they would walk around and like money for the poor, money for the poor. And because everyone had just splurged on Christmas Day, the day after, it was sort of like a little guilt. You know, mm. this is a very American perspective, so tell us if we're wrong. But um, if you had such a bang-out party and everyone got drunk and all the presents and stuff, you feel a little guilty and like, all right, so the next day, that's when you give the money to the poor. So that's kind of Boxing Day. But now it just means you go to Tesco's and get, like, some trainers for cheap or something. It's like American Black Friday, kind of, right, over there? It's like a day yeah. to go buy stuff, really. Yeah. So... All right, so enough about the sidebar about Christmas traditions. Um, <laughs> Captain Peacock is an hour early because Mr. Rumbold is having a meeting about the Christmas sales drive. And Peacock um, asks MASH uh, or, or tells MASH to set up the tables, and MASH refuses because that's not his job and is not required to by the union. And I won't do anything for bribes of less than 50p. So Peacock <laughs> pulls out a pound note, and he goes, MASH goes off to get coffee for the meeting. Um, the lift door is open and Mr. Lucas is stumbling out and Mr. Humphreys is helping him. It appears that Mr. Lucas has a hangover. Uh-oh. 
And so uh, Humphreys admits that uh, Lucas went as white as a sheet, so I had to put my arm around him. Well, that was the reason I went as white as a sheet. <laughs> and it's cute because the, uh, the audience completely bursts out laughing when he's like, and I had to put my arm around him. You know, like, I don't know, they have this friendship, but, like, it, there was also that kind of that weird interplay of, like, straight guy a little bit intimidated by a gay boy, you know? Right. A little bit of gay panic, but not yeah. total so much, yeah. right? Uh, Miss Brahms arrived. She still got her curliers in her hair. Uh, she was talking to Mrs. Slocum on the phone this morning, and her bus route is on strike, and she, she can't find her umbrella, so it's unlikely she's going to come in at all. On cue, the <laughs> lifter is open, and Mrs. Slocum arrives dressed as a witch. And we get a great aside from Humphreys, who says, I always suspected it. Um, She's looking like t- a cartoon witch, though. She has, like, a, a giant cartoon hat. witch. She's got, like, a black, right. like, cape. It's crazy. But it turns out it's not actually a hat, and it's not actually a broom. It's a rake that she had bought for her gardener friend as a present. And it comes with a cover. So she tets the, you know, the hat, turns it over, and it covers the rake. But... She had propped the rake up against the aga, and the bristles melted. It's just Japanese muck. Oh, I was took in. Um, if you watch the captions for this, they try and think that it's some Japanese word of, like, matsuzaken, and no, it's <laughs> Japanese muck. She was took in. She, she yeah. was grifted, right? A lot of people have um, been saying, like, the, the closed captionings of, like, this season are completely off. So yeah. it's, it's sometimes if you can't catch a word, you can turn it on and help, but don't take it for, you know, for the, the authority of, of what they're actually saying. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she propped it up against the aga. Um, What's that, which Jeff? Is, which is a kind of cooker. It's a kind of oven. It's like, if you think about an old-fashioned oven, ceramic oven from the 40s, it has like four like uh, side-opening doors. Uh, it's meant to have like individual compartments for cooking. Uh, it is extremely inefficient. It <laughs> yeah. uses about 37 times the energy of a normal oven. But... The brand, where it used to be very common, now it's very, very posh. Yeah. You know, modern aga cookers cost thousands of pounds. So I actually looked into this when I was in Britain because it's just one of those things I've always heard of, like the aga. And I thought it was A-G-A-R. But it's A-G-A, aga, is what it is. And it's the name of the company. And you're right. It's extremely inefficient. Essentially, it's an oven that is perpetually on. All yeah. the time. And um, now it's kind of seen as like an accessory if you're kind of nouveau riche. There's a term in Britain, you've, I'm sure you've heard it, it's called yummy mummy. It's sort of like, yep. a, like, a, like a rich lady who wears like riding boots and like tights and has her hair perfect on and has a Range Rover. But to complete that, you have an aga. And uh, even if you don't ever cook, it's just that it's there, you know. It's one of those funny things. Right. If you think, you know, one of our other favorite shows, um, the Catherine Tate show, features a character who is that kind of yummy mummy. Oh, yes. Uh, and she's known as the Aga Saga woman <laughs> uh, because everything for her is, you know, it, it's going to um, turn her. Um, her precious children. Uh, turn her precious. Everything is going to kill her precious because children. Because it's not you know, from like, the waitrose or, you know, the, the nicest, right. poshest shops. Yeah, Aga. So that so that was Mrs. Miss Brahms. Um, no, excuse, that was Mrs. Slocum, kind of being a little bit. I have an Aga in my kitchen, you know, kind right. of being a little bit classist. Well, no, I mean, no, it was a little bit. It was a little bit more common back then. I don't think that she was pulling a Captain Peacock 
peacock. Yeah, easy for you to there. Um, but okay. I didn't know they were that uh, common, you know, yeah. if you think about you know. Ficus Clary and I are going to have a gooseberry and cinnamon yogurt. Would you like a gooseberry and cinnamon yogurt? <laughs> like that kind of, yeah. um, that kind of person is the you know who would uh, boast about having an aga. And the, and the the last idea about that, I know that like this is like the tangent episode of that does suit aga. That does suit aga. That does suit aga. Um, it is kind of a cool thing. So when I was over there, I was like, how much are these crazy agas everyone's talking about? It's like thirty five thousand dollars or thirty five thousand pounds. It's like a car, but it's, it's like the idea is like, I have my grandparents' aga, and it's going to go to my daughter when she's married. You know, it's yep. like a heritage thing. But it's neat because they do have, like, different little containers or different compartments of ovens. So the idea is if you have, like, the English or the British, like, Sunday lunch, you have lots of different foods. You have to have this on the heated part and you're cooking but then this you need to keep warm so it's kind of cool you can do fun stuff with it but yeah you can have like three different temperatures at your oven going at once yeah but anyway it's also nice to uh, have you know a car too right um mrs slocum uh had left winston clinging to the curtain ring and I got a little concerned. I'm like, wait, what happened to Tittles? I know, I was the same way. And then she said, and then she said the mere sight of my pussy drives him mad because it turns out Winston is the canary. Okay, well, we're good but, then. I was worried. Um, so Granger isn't there yet. Rumble isn't there yet. But Peacock decides to start the meeting anyway. And he goes to say his first word, but then he stops himself and makes it a point of getting up and moving one seat over so that he is where Rumbled would have sat. <laughs> so stupid. And swapping out his paper cup of coffee for a ceramic cup with saucer. Oh, yes. Because he has to be above everybody else at all times and show that he is different and better. And so he has to have his proper tea in a proper cup. And that's what's so funny about stuff like that is like they're all the same. They all work in a silly shop. No one's They're really all better. They're middle class. But They're e- all Exactly. Class. But it's all about like being a little bit better than everyone yeah. else. So he relished that lovely blue cup. And then when, when, yeah. when Rumbold comes in. Um, the look, daggers oh. he gave him for sitting in his seat. Oh, my gosh. So they start coming up with ideas about what they're going to do to um, attract uh, shoppers at Christmas, right? If the lift doors open, what would draw your eye in, right? And so... Um, Mr. Humphrey suggests that we give away kisses with every purchase over 10 pounds. Well, I meant the ladies' department, of course. Um, maybe something to distract the children while the parents shop. Uh, and it turns out that Granger. Mr. Granger dislikes children immensely. What a surprise. He is so sour in that scene. He's like, I don't like children. I never like children. They should be seen and not heard and preferably not that is seen. The, that is the perfect adjective to describe him as sour. Yeah. Because you look, you look at his face and like, ooh, the milk's off, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, he promises to give all the customers his usual warm, welcoming smile. And then he pulls a mug that, like, I, I wonder how long you had to spend in the mirror practicing in order to I get that face. I think that, that was just his like face. That. I mean, have you ever seen <laughs> him, like, smiling and looking lovely? I don't know. Well, in the, in the end, well, when he gets his clock, he gets his cuckoo clock, he smiles. Mm, and yeah. um, in season four, there's that episode where they they think they're going to force him to retire again, but he ends up winning the lottery. He wins the pools. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he does smile. And he then. smiles then. But it's cute that we're like right. we're struggling. Like, oh wait, about that one episode right. he smiles. You know, the one episode when he smiles, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So they're coming up with ideas. You know, what about a fake reindeer costume? We could put Miss Brahms in the front and Mr. Lucas in the rear. And Miss Brahms is like, no way I'd get hydrophobia, which apparently is an old name for rabies, which comes from the symptom of having difficulty swallowing. Oh. It comes with rabies, right? Interesting. I didn't know that. And so Mr. Humphreys corrects her. Well, no, no, dear. That's when you get bitten by a mad dog. Uh, and Mrs. Slocum says, well, with Lucas, she'd get both. Ooh. Mr. Oh. Lucas, watch yourself. And then Mr. Humphreys is like, oh, we could do a glee club. I knew that he was, I love his, at this point in the, in the series, everyone knows who the characters are, right? Right. Anything that, like, Mr. Humphreys can walk out. Did you notice when, when he and Lucas came down the stairs, everyone clapped just by just walking onto the stage. They right. love this guy. And I love that he's like, let's do a glee club. We could all burst into good King Wenceslas. I could totally see so you doing that. So here's the thing. What's Good the thing? King Wenceslas, I, I've heard Good King Wenceslas referenced in a number of sitcoms. I feel like it's a trope punchline when you're talking about Christmas carols. And I wonder why that's so. I wonder, is it just because Wenceslas is such a odd name? You know, it, it's a Czechoslovakian name and, we, you know, that's um, Five stars. been anglicized. Five stars. And so I'm just wondering if that's the, the draw to the humor or if there's something else about Good King Wenceslas that keeps coming up over and over again on TV shows. And Ooh, that's interesting. Like I'm that. wondering if that's the case. I mean, it is a, it's Hart Wenceslas. Um, I don't know. Soldier to soldier? Soldier <laughs> to soldier. Mr. Rumbold finally arrives and he gives Peacock the daggers for sitting in his seat. He ends up rehashing the whole meeting that uh, Peacock uh, had already set through. And it turns out that young Mr. Grace, even off screen, is a deus ex machina because he's already solved the problem. <laughs> yeah. He's purchased novelty costumes for the staff to wear. They're going to be characters for nursery rhymes and fairy tales. And for some people, the, the key word is fairy tales of Mr. Humphreys <laughs> specifically. Thank you very much. Thank you. Way to go on that. And one. I'm feeling a bit peckish. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, let's head on down to the canteen for a tea break. I heard the manageress, who is in today, more on that later, um, I have, I, I've, I've heard through the grapevine that she has a bit of leftover Christmas pudding left. And Ooh. for an extra pound, she'll give you a little bit of a taste. So uh, why don't we pop down to the tea break? <laughs> that sounds awfully, awfully dirty. I don't know what you're talking about. And Mrs. Mrs. Hump, Mrs. Slocum brings her pussy. Um, so we'll be right back. We're going down to the canteen, and we'll come right back. Jeff, get your mind out of the gutter. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. well. 
Oh my oh, all god. Oh, Ada. Disgusting. We're back from our tea break. Can you tell? What did you have, Jeff? Well, I forgot to buy a ticket for the Christmas lunch, oh. and that Calvin manageress wouldn't give me any turkey. Didn't you see so it on the fl- notice board? I, I didn't see it. I was too busy trying to sign up for the ping pong club. Oh, well. Um, so I ended up having to get uh, some shepherd's pie, which was meh. It was not enough pie and too much shepherd. <laughs> um, I had the remnants of a flambéed Christmas pudding that s- tasted remarkably like wood grain alcohol, which tasted like uh, paint thinner for some reason. But uh, it was it was half off. So oh, I well. saw you in the corner toying with your Brussels sprouts and couscous. What I do in the corner with my Brussels sprouts and couscous is my business. Thank you. So we're back. So we're back. We're back and people. and so are the people at Grace Brothers. It's twelve thirty-five p.m. Almost time for lunch, <laughs> and it turns out that it's the department's Christmas lunch today. But before the ladies leave for lunch, Mister Mash brings over his final display unit, which is a pair of everlasting tights. That's right. Uh, that everlasting some, tights. Thank you for that sponsoring some ballet our music. Show. Yeah. Um, So he turns on the button and it plays Dance with the Sugar Plum Fairy and it starts doing a little bit of uh, movement in its legs going from, you know, I wouldn't even say it's going from fifth position to first position, but it's doing like almost like a rocket kick. Yeah. Uh, It ends up kicking Mrs. Slocum in the chest and she's like, take it away. Um, Mr. Mash admits that it started out in the sports department with a football boot, which is pretty funny, right? He actually said soccer boot. Did you notice that? He didn't say football. He did say soccer, yeah. I don't know if that's like a East London thing, or I don't know what that's about. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, Mr. Silkham is trying to get Captain Peacock's attention, but he's not free because a female customer has entered the floor. Did you notice that, sorry, real quick, did you notice that in that scene, as the camera was moving from Slocum to Peacock, it's almost like the camera operator like tripped or something, and the whole thing like went up into the ceiling for a second and then came back down. It made me feel like I needed Dramaneme or something <laughs> after that. It was you never really see the cameras kind of move around a lot. And also in the scene when they're at um, having the lunch, there's a scene where like clearly someone was supposed to be like three feet to the left or something. I don't know. Maybe they had a bit of Christmas amusements before they started filming on this episode with the crew or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's. I, I think also that um, smooth, steady cam wasn't really uh, big technology yeah. in 1975. So, uh, anyway, uh, Peacock um, says that the display unit should stay. He orders her not to move it, and that's an order. And she gets all all offended. Oh, by she's that. not very happy. That look, the so, Slocum look, is what she gives. So she leaves it exactly where it is. And Mr. Humphreys comes over to ask Peacock to sign a bill, right? And he hears the music from the uh, display unit and says, Oh, I don't remember. Uh, what ballet is that from again? And Captain Peacock says, It's Tchaikovsky! <laughs> right as the display unit kicks him square in the balls. Oh, uh, Captain Peacock. And Mr. Humphreys calls over to Mr. Granger. You were right, Mr. Granger. It's the Nutcracker Suite. <laughs> That's a long way to go for a setup, but well worth it. Thank yeah. you, writers. Yes, thank but. you very much. <laughs> so um, we get down to the canteen, and they're there for their departmental lunch. And they sit down and put on their paper crowns, which is tradition, because everyone is a king at Christmas. You know, in, in such a highly... 
structured, regimented society. This is one of those opportunities where everyone's allowed to get a little silly. You know? Yeah, and I want to say something right now about um, Christmas crackers because as a kid, I was obsessed with British culture and like the differences and stuff. And in the States, we don't have Christmas crackers at all. Like I didn't even know what they were. And my first exposure to it was this episode back in the 90s or whatever. So if you're not familiar with a Christmas cracker, it's it's such a weird thing for Americans, right? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. We have no um, uh, equal to it. So it's like, take a paper towel roll, like the, the cardboard tube, right? Wrap it with tissue paper, and then, like, tie the ends off almost like it's a Tootsie Roll, right? Does that make sense? And then mm-hmm. put, like, a little tiny explosive device in it. Um, and then you put a paper hat. Typically, the, those paper hats you see the, the staff they wear. They usually come in the cracker. Yeah, they're yeah. inside the cracker. And then they'll have like a little tiny, like a piece of paper with a joke on it that's kind of like a kid's joke. And then like a like little, a, like a bazooka gun, like a bazooka, joke exactly, or, exactly. Yeah. And then like they'll have like a little tiny trinket, like a little plastic, cutesy thing. And then like funny ears or fun, like a joke thing. So the idea is, you have them between the seats when you have the Christmas lunch and one person grabs one end of it and the other person grabs the other end of it and you pull and the little explosive thing, it's not, it's like a little bit of gunpowder that just goes a little, it's like a cap gun. Yeah. It's like a little, you know, um, but it's cute because like, you know, what other time can you like ask grandmama who, who's kind of a dowager and very, pull the Christmas crack with me, gran. And then in that, pull me crack. Pull me cracking Nan. And then she has to put on a funny paper hat. Oh, my gosh, look at her acting unlike the rather stiff upper lip British lady that she is. And you put on your funny little, you know, funny teeth or whatever. So it's this weird thing that we just don't have because I think you'd agree Americans are much more kind of easy to express emotion and kind of be silly where in Britain, it's really not like that. So it's kind of a... You need, you need an excuse. Yeah, yeah. and it's kind of cool. It, it, it epitomizes it inside this little weird Christmas cracker. And if you go to, like, um, Christmas shops or like Home Goods or Pier 1, which I think is out of business now. On its way out. Yeah, yeah. like Christmas time, they would have, like, boxes of Christmas crackers for, like, yeah, 20 bucks, and you get maybe 10 or 15. And um, when, when I was a kid, um, at the height of my British, like, fandom obsession really um i i bought a box of crackers from england and they were shipped to arkansas and that christmas we had everyone around the table and i had to explain to everyone what it was of course they didn't know what this was and they're like why i don't get with this a a paper hat and we put it on why (laughs) so it just didn't really translate but you know it's kind of fun to see this episode all these years later again yeah crackers um Captain Peacock shows up, and he brought a bottle of wine to the departmental lunch. Um, we can see right away that it is not a quality vintage, because they don't need a corkscrew, because you just unscrew the cap. How humiliating. And so, uh, it turns out it is uh, Vin Blanc Coup, <laughs> cool. or a, a Vin, ba- Vin Blanc Co-op. Uh, for all those who don't know, Co-op is a... Uh, it, it's not necessarily a down market grocery store, but it's you know it's supposed to be of the people. You have to have a, you're supposed to have a membership to it, and you're supposed to um, uh, volunteer a couple of hours. Nowadays, it's just a regular grocery store that anybody can shop at. So but like anyway. posh people wouldn't go there. Posh people would not go to the co-op. No. 
and then finally, Mrs. Diana Yardswick, Ugh. the canteen manageress, shows. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I tell you what, the actress is fantastic. She is. She is indeed. She's played by uh, Dormy Vernon. And I always thought that she had the best name. I thought that her parents must have been very musical people to name her Do Re Mi. Oh, my God. Um, That's uh, crazy. She, she was also part of the Lloyd and Croft crew because she was on Heidi High. And she okay. might actually still be alive. Um, oh. But uh, years ago... Someone from the official Are You Being Served fan club tried to contact her, and she made it very clear that she did not want to discuss the show. So I don't know if she had some ill will or whatever, or she was just moved on. So there is very little chance of Ms. Vernon being a guest host on our our program. Well, throw away all your fan letters that you've started scrolling people. Um, Oh, well. Cancel the petition. Yeah, change that or delete it. No, delete, yeah. delete, delete. Oh, well. Um, so Mr. Lucas didn't buy a ticket to the lunch, so he's got to make do with whatever the canteen is offering, hot pot, shepherd's pie, or halibut. Um, she, uh, the manageress comes back in very quick fashion, right? She, she gives everyone their, their sides uh, and then brings over the turkey, and it, do, it, looks like, it looks like a Cornish game hen. It is not large enough to serve six people. And it's cute uh, because they had this giant, like, very grand platter with, like, the very yeah. ceremonial cover that the Captain Peacock opens. And there's, like, this giant thing with this tiny little bird in the middle of it. Aw. Yeah. Um, Captain Peacock is doing the honors and doing the carving and serving. And he asks uh, of the senior ladies department, do you require stuffing, Mrs. Slocum? Which is hysterical. Because <laughs> we very rarely get a sexual innuendo from Peacock when he's not flirting with a woman. So it's hysterical. He just made this very, very innocent uh, And no innocent, one laughs. That's question. what makes it funny. Like the, the fact that, like, right. neither, that she doesn't like give, give the daggers look or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it turns out that true to form, uh, the turkey still has some bristles on its leg because it hasn't been plucked properly. It's overcooked. It tastes like leather. Uh, but meanwhile, um, Mr. Lucas is enjoying his halibut. It's actually quite nice. I should have ordered for that. For a change, right? Um, Peacock is still serving, and he asks Mr. Humphreys if he wants the leg or the parson's nose. So that's that little bit of the bird that's where the tail should be. That's basically like just nose-shaped. I always um, thought it was past its nose, but yeah. it's Parsons' nose. Yeah. I bet you other people, my entire life, I thought, whenever someone was carving the, a turkey, I thought, what does that mean, past its nose? And I'm like, what is that, the beak? <laughs> I don't well, it's know. A, it's, a, it's at the wrong end. Right? I know, that's why I was confused. Yeah. Parsons' nose, okay. Uh, Mr. Humphreys uh, declines having any turkey. He's just going to toy with his sprouts. What one does in the corners, their own business. And sprouts in Britain kind of refers to, like, your pee-pee and penis and bits and things. So they're all looking forward to the grand finale, the the centerpiece of the Christmas meal, which is the pudding. Um, What, like jello? What does that mean? so, So a Christmas pudding is not... That kind of gelatinous, milky, creamy, starchy delicious. thing that we have, which is delicious. Mm. I actually have, I actually have a tub of pudding in my fridge, and I'm going to get some after that for dessert. But <laughs> put um, some brandy on it instead of a flame. P- 
pudding is a generic word for dessert in the UK. And a Christmas pudding is a mixture of dried fruits, flour, sugar, all of that, that's steamed, then doused in brandy, and then lit on fire. So it's kind of like um, a fruitcake, almost. Probably the closest thing uh, we would have. It's kind of like a fruitcake, except it's steamed and not baked. And it's more fruit than cake. Like Newton's. Yeah. Um, I love that. <laughs> I love that um, Granger says, I must say, a flaming pudding just adds the final touch to Christmas. And from Americans' perspective, like, we don't have flaming desserts. So it's just the idea of, like, let's set something on fire. Oh, what a lovely Christmas tradition. To us, that sounds insanity, doesn't it? Well, we, well, we, do, have, we do have desserts that are set on fire, but... They're for very special occasions, and they don't make a regular appearance every Christmas, right? You yeah. could have cher- you could have cherries jubilee, and you could have baked bananas Alaska. foster, and bananas foster, right? But I always associate those with like very fancy restaurants or like cruise ships or something. But I wonder right. if like I mean they probably all came from the same thing, but it just became a Christmas tradition in Britain to keep it, and like we just never did. I don't know. Yeah. So Peacock has to make do with this tiny little airplane bottle of brandy, and he can't seem to get it lit. So Mr. Mash shows up, and he's got a bottle of 97% wood alcohol, which is used for stripping varnish. (laughs) And so he douses the entire pudding in it, sets it aflame, and it goes up in flames and disintegrates right there. That's at the end of the dessert, right? Yeah, it was... um very, I wonder how they got that prop to do it. Because they were all well, really prob- close to it, right? He probably wasn't holding the lighter directly at the, the prop. He was probably holding it a couple of inches behind. Uh, but from yeah. our viewpoint, it looked like he was you know, lighting it. Anyway, so um, they end up pulling their Christmas crackers, which have costume novelties, right? A false nose, fake ears, wax lips, that whole deal. Uh, Captain Peacock is wearing um, fake glasses oh, that God. have that have googly eyes in it. And every time he moves his head, the eyes are darting around. It's so which cute. actually makes which actually makes for a pretty funny scene when he's uh, trying to address uh, Mr. Rumbold and young Mr. Grace, right? Yeah, at one point like he's apologizing to um, Mr. Rumbold and he's like you can tell like Frank Thornton's like playing it up a little bit to like he shakes his head a little bit more than normal to make his eyes go around. So if you've not seen the episode, go and watch that scene. It made me burst out laughing like an hour ago. So funny. Yeah. So there's um, <laughs> so after lunch, the staff go to the boardroom and to choose their costumes. Right. And back on the floor, we see that Mr. Rumbold is wearing a jester's hat. He's apparently supposed to be Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, Captain Peacock mm-hmm. comes in as a snowman. Very cool uh, costume, by the way. Mr. Lucas is a pirate, and he, so he's he's hopping along on one leg because he's supposed to be a peg leg pirate. And he has like a, a um, cane, like a, like a like a right thing for his other leg because he can't walk. Did but you? But he's notice? basically just yeah. Go ahead. But he's basically just hopping on one leg, and he almost falls down the stairs. Yeah, right? I noticed if you see, if you watch it again, like he's speaking to Miss Brahms, and she's talking about whatever they are. And then you can see him almost fall backwards because he has one leg tied up behind to make it look like his leg's been amputated because he's a pirate. And then he has, what, a, um, a crutch. To, and he's literally walking as if he has one leg, the actor. And he's hopping down these stairs. And you can see, like, he almost falls backwards. And he was supposed to say something. Um, 
and I don't remember what he was about to say, but like you can tell that Miss Brahms just like kind of saves it and just says her line. So yeah. that could have been. I mean, you know, imagine that today. Like, let's have someone with his leg tied up, hopping around on a on a crutch, going downstairs live on TV or not live, but in front of an audience. I don't think that would happen today. No, nope. yeah. not allowed. Miss <laughs> um, Brahms is a fairy ballerina. Mr. Granger is Humpty Dumpty. Mrs. Slocum is Peter Pan, complete with a funny quiver around her back, which is hysterical. Yeah. Because you've always had a funny quiver around your back. Humpty Dumpty Granger is so adorable. I think he's Because the so costume cute. is just oversized. And he's like yellow and purple. And you see his little, little arms and legs. He looks like a, I don't know, so this, cute. Now, this, this isn't the last time we see that egg costume. So I feel that Granger or Rumble has to wear it again, and when they sit down, their head disappears. It is Granger. Uh, oh, where they have to dress up as nursery rhymes again. Because I remember Mrs. Slocum is like a little girl, and she has like long wig on. Yeah, so is that the episode where they have to, they agree to put on a pantomime for the other employees' children because... Didn't they piss off the canteen workers? Something, yeah. Something like that. Anyway. And then finally, Mr. Humphreys arrives as a dandy. And oh the audience God. just roars because he is made up straight out of uh, Georgian times, right? Yeah. His face is powdered white with the little hearts drawn on. He and would he's fit in in Versailles frills. like nothing. The, the audience yeah. erupts. If you, when I was listening to it today, watching it, it's almost like the volume of the claps and the cheers like broke the microphone. Like it yeah. goes into that bit where it like blasts. Um, he must have felt so cool going out on that stage that day, John. Yeah. Ben. Oh my God. If we do have an R being served convention, not only am I going to be my cosplay costume, what was it? Um, oh, him, Mr. Humphreys in German Week with the short shorts, but also my right. second look on the runway will be. Um, the, the Versailles outfit that he wears. The dandy. One. You're going to do a costume change into a dandy? Oh, yes. Maybe I can, like, twirl. You know how, like, the drag queens will twirl and then, like, somehow, like, their costume changes into another one? Maybe I could do that. That's a lot of sewing work it's to It's better to, to go to Versailles to the short shorts because you can just take off the thing. I'm just thinking out That's loud. That's right. I'll take notes right. later. Okay. Proceed with the show. So, Mr. Mash reveals the decoration they've done to the ladies' department, which looks pretty magical, right? It yeah, looks like it a was a surprise house. to me, actually. Yeah, that they actually did such a quite uh, good job. Uh, the gents' department is a street scene yeah. with, like, wheelbarrows, right? And then yeah, um, the, the staff breaks into song. They break into an original song that was written for the show called Christmas Time is Here, not to be confused with the Vince Guaraldi version. Which is a good uh, one. From Charlie Brown, which is a really good one. Um, and so they, they break into song and all of the, they, they start doing a little bit of, um, speak singing, um, in the, in the introduction. But by the time they break into the first chorus, they're all singing and they're singing in harmony. Yeah. Like they, they all can carry a tune. Yeah. I want to say like these folks and like TV, at least in Britain, I don't know. I don't think they did this in the States as much, but these people were very good actors. I mean, like, we talked about Mrs. Slocum. They were Slocum, all around talented. Uh, Molly Sugden. Yeah, and she's a really good dramatic, like that one episode, um, Hand, The Wedding Bells, or Hand of Fate, or something, where she thinks she's going to get 
uh, proposed to from Mr. Grace, she has to be very dramatic and sad, and it's very startling. It's like, oh, my God, she's really good. And she's also very funny. But, um, you know, um, Mr. Rumbold, um, Patrick Smith, is that his name, the, the actor? Nicholas I always forget Smith. his name, sorry. Nicholas Smith, so sorry. Um, he could play all of the instruments. Mr. Hum- uh, Captain Peacock, Frank Thornton, could play the piano like crazy. Uh, all of these people can sing and dance and act funny, dramatic, everything. And they have a live band that comes out of nowhere, plays live music to a custom song called Christmas Time is Here, which I have to say is probably one of my favorite TV Christmas songs. It's fantastic. Right? Yeah, I think that's very, very um, reminiscent of the era. I think that yeah. uh, TV actors uh, in the 60s and 70s, they were multi-talented, right? They weren't just comedians or whatever. You knew that they'd be able to break into a little bit of a dance if the scene called for it or to do a gymnastics routine or sing a little bit of a song. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think that we have that same expectation for our all-around actors today. Yeah, I think yeah. TV has grown to be, of course, you know, cable. I mean, this was before cable, my God. Um, I think TV actors today are much more a celebrity. Focused on one craft. Yeah, and, and it's that's very also limited. True. Which is yeah. not to say, like, they're not good at their job. But I think back then in the 70s, like, they all went to Blackpool and did a live version. Because I think it was so, almost TV was almost like an extension of the stage, maybe. I don't yep. know. Interesting you, idea. You couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't get away with having a career in entertainment and just being an actor. You had to have other kinds of talents. You had to, yeah, yeah. 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 But this was so a, this is such a treat. This 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 the singing at the end. Um, when I watched it again, I like almost knew all the words because it was it just gets in your head. It's such a good song. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it's the song uh, ends with uh, Mr. Humphreys breaking the wall for the fourth time so far. Are you keeping count, Brandon? I'm not because I cherish it. I like it when he does it. Some people don't. I do. I know our our. Our non-resident guru, the other Jeff, doesn't like it, but I like it. Sorry, Jeff. So he he, he ends the song with um, uh, that he was that even if Christmas didn't have its magic, he'd still like his Christmas pud and mints. So great wordplay on the word mints. Not only like the mince meat pie filling, but also mints to like swish about. That's well. it. Okay, so that I didn't understand the joke. I just thought he winked at the camera and he had like a little heart and how cute. But he said mince because that's not a, a word we really use anymore to describe gay people. But back then... Speak for yourself, Mary. <laughs> yes, exactly. But um, I think back then like the word mince would have described... They, I, I don't think you would call someone gay. You would say, oh, you know, he minces when he walks. Oh, he's a okay. mensa. Yeah, he's a mensa, bloody mensa. So I just got the joke, mince. I just pictured mincemeat because I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our episode, and that's a wrap on series three. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's a good episode. Yeah, definitely good for not only for All You Being Served, but for as Christmas specials go. Yeah. Um, pretty entertaining. Because it doesn't stray too far off from the. Um, the normal formula of the show. I'm just really, you don't have the, you don't have the characters like all of a sudden in an unfamiliar place. Like they're in the airport and they're stranded trying to get home for the holiday or something like that. It's they're in their usual setting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, we meet one new character, but it's someone who's been talked about, uh, and she's going to make a couple of appearances in future episodes. So all around, 
good show. Yeah, I don't know why, but this, the podcast seems to like be obsessed with the manageress. Because <laughs> we always we get so thirsty, Jeff, in the middle of our show. We only have some tea. Um, but yeah, that's a good episode. It was. Um, it just seems like a rare thing again. Like, I mean, with this show, like they would go into break into song and dance, and like they do it quite often. But I'm trying to think of another of, a, of another show where they do that. Can you? Well, obviously, Glee and Smash and those yeah. kind of shows that were made to be, but like of the time, of the time, of the time here or there. I mean, okay, so seventies, uh, late seventies, eighties, so. Um, I know there's an episode of the Lucy show where they burst into dance. That's true. Because if you think about there, there's, there's a meme going around of Lucy, yeah, that's Elaine, why I Stritch, of Elaine Stritch, and someone else uh, doing a dance. And, and it's set to um, the single, single lady song by Beyonce. Oh, right, right? yeah. Um, because the dance kind of does look a little bit like it. Um, but yeah, no, Lucy would frequently do that on, on all of her shows. It's just a super old school thing to do. And Lucy was old school. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, so Brandon, what are we talking about next week? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Jeff. Uh, we begin series four. Woohoo! And you hear that bell? That's not what you'll hear at next week's episode. Cause it's called no sale. See what I did there? I did. You don't get a did till that. ring. Um, so this is the one where the store has to open early and it's a very extremely special episode because it's very dear to our hearts. Yes. Dear to our hearts. It's the namesake episode. I was actually wondering the other day, when are we going to reach this? The namesake episode of the show, which is called that does suit madam. And this is the episode where we get to meet the woman from Manchester. I've learned from the show. Nope. I love man. Oh, I'm in. Damn it. Um, that's what I meant to say. Um, Trying on a bunch of hats, and what does Mrs. Slocum say? 10.30, wedding, late. Hurry, please hurry. wedding, hurry. Please hurry, I'm going to be late. Yeah, I, I might have studied that as a child. Um, and then what does Mrs. Slocum do? Jeff. Oh, that does suit madam. And she puts on another hat. Oh, that does, oh, that suit, does madam. suit madam. And then she gives another hat. Oh, that does. And then she gives the Mrs. hat. Mrs. Slocum, your, your needle's stuck on the groove. And then she gives like the woman like the top of a hat box. And she puts it on her head because she's a stupid lady. Oh, that does suit Madam. And just when we were thinking of making this show, Jeff and I thought, what the hell do we call this? This, ep- this podcast. What was another one we were thinking about? Do you remember? We were trying to, we, we were originally thinking about catchphrases, the ones that they would um, say often in the show. What? And we were... We were going to call it I'm Free, or we are going to try and call it something about Mrs. Slocum's pussy, but we couldn't get away with it. The, the muse spoke to us, and her, her muse was, that does suit Madam, with an E, yeah. of course. And uh, speaking of with an E, if you want to get in touch with us on Facebook, um, you can find us, uh, that does suit Madam, it'll come right up. We're on Twitter, um, which we're not on too much. I should probably do a bit more on that. Uh, our handle is, um, handle, our call sign. Our call oh, letters handle. are um, handle does suit madam with an E, right? And then uh, we also have that old-fashioned email thing called that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. And, of course, um, be like our cool friend who called the Peacock hotline, uh, Mr. Mike from Pittsburgh. That is 662-PEACOCK. And if you can't spell like I can, that's 662-732-2653. 
two, five. And uh, your voicemail might be played on the on the podcast. So that's a wrap. All right. We will talk to you all next week, listeners. Goodbye. Bye. That Dust Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Do not remove this tag under penalty of law.